The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. This is Marcus Aurelius Meditations, Book 4, Paragraph 3, or more accurately, uh, Paragraph 2 within Section 3, because we're splitting this into uh, into various paragraphs here. So, in yesterday's paragraph, uh, then Aurelius talked about how a philosopher really should be able to retreat into himself and to think about things that set his mind at ease. Uh, instead of needing to like scamper off to uh, a vacation in the country. Um, and he ended off by saying that you should, um, he says, continually therefore grant yourself this retreat and repair yourself, uh, but let them be brief and fundamental truths, which su- will suffice at once by their presence to wash away all sorrow and to send you back without repugnance to the life to which you return. So now today he says, he elaborates on this repugnance. He says, for what is it that shall move your repugnance? The wickedness of men? Recall the judgment that reasonable creatures have come into the world for the sake of one another, that patience is a part of justice, that men do no wrong involuntarily, and how many at last, after enmity, suspicion, hatred, warfare, have been laid out on their deathbeds and come to dust. This should make you pause. But but shall what is assigned from universal nature be repugnant to you? Revive the alternative, either providence or blind atoms, and the many proofs that the universe is a kind of commonwealth. Shall then the things of all the flesh still have a hold upon you? Reflect that the understanding, when once it takes hold of itself and recognizes its own power, does not mingle with the vital spirit, be its current smooth or broken, and finally reflect upon all that you have heard and consented to about pain and pleasure. Okay, so a lot of repetition of themes here. Um, I guess a couple points. First of all, uh, yesterday I was... uh, I was musing about the difference between Marcus Aurelius' type of retreat into the self and what I expressed as Torah's view of retreat into, or the Torah's corollary, which is retreating to the world of learning. Uh, And then uh, Rabbi Fader messaged me saying that perhaps that's not the best comparison, uh, that we shouldn't compare Aurelius' retreats to learning. uh, Rather, we should compare Aurelius' retreats to tefillah, to the activity of, um, of being mispalel. Um, and as I've talked about in my tefillah shirim, the essential idea of being mispalel, uh, you know, the, the Jewish word for t- Hebrew word for tefillah, lihis palel, is uh, has the the root of pelam and lamed, which means to judge. It's in the reflexive lihis palel means to judge oneself or to evaluate oneself, and lihis palel lashem to daven to Hashem means to judge yourself within Hashem's framework, within the framework of objective reality and objective good. Um, so. Uh, it actually does sound like what Marcus Aurelius is saying, right? It sounds like he's saying that you should retreat and then um, and then examine yourself in light of these ideas. Um, and so I actually do. I, I can't say I re- I don't retract the ideas I said yesterday, but I do think that that uh, that uh, I, I missed the target in terms of of the comparison to an institution in Judaism. So in light of that, then when Aurelius is talking today about transitioning back into the world. That really seems to be akin to, or it might be akin to what the Ramam and Chazal say that the uh, Hasidim Harishonim did, that they would spend an hour preparing for their tefillah, they would spend an hour in tefillah, and then they would spend an hour um, uh, after tefillah before going about their business. And so I always wondered, like, what is it that they did after they davened? Uh, And I had some vague notion that, like, they were taking the insights and transformations um, that they gained from tefillah and then preparing themselves to integrate that into their life afterwards. Uh, and that seems to be what Aurelius is doing here as well, is he's saying, you know, look at all these truths, these these fundamental truths that we've talked about, many of which are from my, uh, you know, my favorite 
um, section in Aurelius, which is uh, book two, paragraph one, which we reviewed a couple days ago. And uh, and think about this as you go into your in, into your life, and you shouldn't go back into your life with a sense of repugnance, but with a sense of of uh, empathy for your fellow human beings. You know, realizing that that they don't do wrong uh, voluntarily. Um, a recognition of the transient nature of life, the fact that that all of these things are eventually going to end in uh, in death. Um, and the idea of Hashgacha. Now, I don't know what his view of Hashgacha of Providence is. Um, he's contrasting it with the theory of the atomists, A-T-O-M-I-S-T-S, the notion that everything is blind atoms. Um, I think there are uh, there's a lot to be explored there. Uh, there are parallels within the atomists of his time to the uh, the um, the atheist uh, or the secular 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 atheistic culture um, in uh, this world today. Uh, I'm not prepared to speculate on that right now. Um, I also want to note that the Ra Bag in his introduction to Breshis, um, not his introduction to Torah, but his introduction to Parshas Breshis, uh, says that the entire Torah is a campaign against uh, atomism, um, against this belief, uh, this you know, this view that everything is just a blind chance. Um, Robach has his own take on that, but I think that's something that they have in common, which is that you know the the view that that there is no hashgacha uh, governing this universe is uh, is antithetical to to Torah in many ways, and um, and Aurelius is basically saying that you have to recognize you live in a universe that is like a commonwealth that. There is uh, it's overseen by a king, and uh, and there are various roles that everyone must play in the system. And as you transition back into your life after your retreat, then you have to. Uh, it's in your best interest to recognize that you're going into a benevolent commonwealth, um, and to think about what role each of uh, uh, you know each of the people has and what role you have. Uh, he concludes with the the repeated notion that. The only thing that can really affect you is uh, is your own will. I mean, he doesn't state that explicitly, but he states the negative that uh, that you know uh, things of the flesh cannot have a, a hold upon you, upon the true you. And uh, and he urges us at the very end to reflect on everything you've heard and consented to about pain and pleasure, which I assume for him um, boils down to that same point, which is recognizing that pain and pleasure are not good and bad, uh, but how the pain and pleasure, how you choose to react to the pain and pleasure are really good and bad. So this is, uh, this is, I think, you know, useful for us also, uh, not that we're going to take an hour after we dive in, but like, this is the type of mental process that would help, uh, amplify the, the, uh, the benefits that we get from davening. If we took a moment to think about these types of things and have these types of thoughts after tefillah.